Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's protests across China and lava flows in Hawaii. Two stories dominating the day. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. We're going to be breaking down what's going on in China. These incredible protests going on due to lockdowns, lockdowns that have killed people, these lockdowns that are only proof that people who can control you will try to do so. It has gotten so bad that they have have always had in China, well, you got to have proof that you don't have COVID. You got to have proof that you don't have any. And they got this thing on, 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 your, on your phone and it's a QR code and you scan it and wherever you are and it'll let people know whether or not you've got COVID or not. Well, if you're out there protesting because they've got cameras everywhere because they're always keeping an eye on you, they simply say, oh, has COVID. So anybody who's stopping you, oh, you're a protester, immediately into the isolation pod. Reports of 90,000 isolation pods being created, you know, to protect the people. To protect the people. Xi Jinping, the president of China, is a dictator, has created a third term for himself. He's dictator for life. And the people of China, I make this argument, it's not that they're looking to get rid of communism. It's what I want for them. But it isn't necessarily where they are for themselves. But you see a fair amount of people saying, I just want to go to a movie. They're locked in their homes. From the reporting, apartment complexes have caught fire. These people couldn't escape. They were locked into their homes. That's the story. We're going to dig into to more of this a, a little bit later. Uh, But there is, uh, crazily enough, they've been looking at this, wondering when this was going to come. Mauna Loa has started erupting. Happened in the early, early morning hours today. Lava flows contained within the summit area, not threatening downslope communities. Uh, That's now. And these things can absolutely positively change. The U.S. Geological Service is still keeping an eye on it, and these lava flows can move slowly, but move, and they're going to destroy absolutely everything in their path. Nothing's going to stop it. It will stop when it stops, when that lava cools down to a point where it just isn't going to move any further. They've been monitoring what's been going on and what can be going on. For about a month, they've been talking about, we're starting to get some readings. We're starting to see some some, some movement. You're talking about Mauna Loa. Uh, that's right near uh, Hilo, I, I believe, if I've looked at the map properly. This is a volcano that has erupted 33 times since 1843, last erupting in 1984. And now we're at it again. Are we going to see one of those big rip the side of the mountain uh, right off kind of, kind of things. Um, no one is discussing that. No one's saying that that's the, the, the case at, at, at this moment. But it's certainly, certainly where a lot of people are keeping their eye. They're keeping a look. Because, well, quite honestly, you should be a little bit scared out of your mind too.
if especially if you're especially if you're living uh in Hawaii. Those two stories are the big stories that are dominating the day. And and it makes sense that they're dominating the day. But the other story that's dominating the day is this story of uh, Kanye and Fuentes and Donald Trump. Allow me, if I can be so bold, on this story that Trump didn't have to have happen, but he allowed to have happen, him or his people. And if we want to get into being upset with people and firing people, how is Nick Fuentes at this lunch? And let's go a step further. Where I I could say to you, I could understand Trump meeting with Kanye West and having lunch. Kanye West was was a friend, or maybe still is a friend, and during the White House years, and there he was, and here's Kanye uh, having a hard time because of something he said that was absolutely ridiculous. Maybe Trump thinks he can help. He's going to help a friend. That's That's who he is. We could agree that that is exactly how Trump sees himself. We could agree or disagree as to whether or not you have the lunch. Is Kanye an anti-Semite? Well, I think he he proved to you that his problem with Jews is real. If he had a problem with Jared Kushner, he would say he had a problem with Jared Kushner. If he says the Jews are doing this to me, well, that's a very different language. And I'm going to take him at his word. But Trump wanted to help him. Okay, okay, Uh, just because a friend does something stupid or gets in trouble doesn't mean that you just drop them. People are very, very quick in, in, in their public life, drop this one, drop that one, drop the other one. The friends in your private life who have done something ridiculous, do you just drop them off the, off the top, off the, off the first? Well, Tony, look what Kanye said. He said it about me, so I'm pretty sure I know what he said. But if you want to help somebody see through it, you want to engage a little bit of grace. It's possible. If Kanye wants to do the interview, would I do the interview with Kanye? Of course I would. If Louis Farrakhan wanted to do the interview, would I do it? No. Louis Farrakhan has a massive history of calling Jews termites. I'm out. I am not giving that bigot any of my airtime. Well, isn't Kanye a bigot? What Kanye said was disgusting. DEFCON 3 on the Jews and the fall Gross stuff. But if he wants a chance to explain it, maybe apologize for it. Not, he doesn't have to give any money to the Anti-Defamation League. Dig in on it. What made him say these things? I think that culturally there's opportunity there, and I would take that opportunity. Would I interview, for example, uh, in Indianapolis, Congressman from the 7th District, Andre Carson? This is a guy who will not condemn Louis Farrakhan. This is a guy who refers to Rashida Tlaib as his sister. This is somebody who wants to cover up Israel on the map and works with those who want to eliminate Israel's existence. Do you do the interview? He's a member of Congress. I have long fought doing the interviews with Congressman Andre Carson. I have long fought putting him on these airwaves because of these decisions and because of these maneuvers. I have thought about that time and again and again. Would I do the interview? And the answer is he is a member of Congress. So I think I may very well. 
which is a little bit different for me and where I have been on the subject because I'm disgusted with somebody who won't condemn Louis Farrakhan. And I would say so. So knowing that I would say so is part of the reason to engage the conversation because he has to be told, in my view, that what he's doing is downright disgusting. Louis Farrakhan is a Jew-hating bigot. End of list. Now, Kanye said, so, ye, yay, yay. They call him yay to the kids. Yay, I'm going with Kanye. Uh, what he said was gross. And then his follow-up was gross. He doesn't have the history of Farrakhan. I would do the interview. Nick Fuentes is a different subject. Because Nick Fuentes, and, and I, I was talking about this earlier on the morning show, the total amount I know about Nick Fuentes uh, uh, could fill a thimble. Like, I was never a follower. I was never connected w- w- with the dude. Um, and all of a sudden, he's, he's on the scene. Got some Holocaust denial in him. Yeah, Holocaust denial is where I say, sorry, we're, 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 we're done here. Thank you. The shop is closed. Holocaust denials where I say, have a good, ha, you, you, I, you, no, out. You, gone. That's, that's as good as I do right there. And Trump has this, this, this lunch, this dinner, whatever it is. And uh, it's dinner. And it was Kanye and Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes is a white nationalist, as has been described. And I don't think he uh, pushes away from from the uh, from the title, I, I was looking up some things about him, and I saw a video where he's at a Turning Point USA event where he got thrown out, and he's there on the street corner with some minions, and crossing the street, coming past him, is Ben Shapiro and his family, and literally, they meet at crossing the street, and Ben's just going to walk right by, and Nick Fuentes wants to have a conversation with him and turns around and follows him with this crew of people is following Ben Shapiro with his wife. He's pushing a freaking stroller down the street. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's a scumbag. Nick Fuentes is a scumbag. This is exactly the kind of stuff that Alex Jones did to Michelle Malkin in the day. I think Alex Jones is a scumbag, too. Now, you'll note that I'm not saying they have to be thrown off any platforms or they're not entitled to free speech. I said they're scumbags. I have no issue with calling them scumbags, and I'm not interested in what they have to say. How the hell did Nick Fuentes, a Holocaust denier, get in front of Donald Trump at a dinner with Kanye West? How in the hell does that happen? Now you say to me, well, Trump didn't invite him. Kanye just brought him. What do you mean Kanye just brought him? What kind of argument is this? Do you know how many people get to just bring somebody into my house? The correct answer is zero. I don't care how long you've known me. You think you can bring a stranger into my house? That dog won't hunt. So who the hell let Nick Fuentes into that dinner? And why hasn't that guy been fired? Where is the very public 
declaration of this guy's gone. Because it's always possible that Trump did not know who he was having dinner with. The question before us is, how is it possible that Trump did not know who he was having dinner with? How is it remotely possible? I argue it's not. If you're on the campaign trail and um, and and you uh, you shake hands with somebody, right? A row of people at some event, you're shaking hands. And it turns out, uh, uh, let's say it's me. I'm on the campaign. I'm running for something. I don't know. Whatever you want me to run for, guys, I'm totally in. I'm, and I'm shaking some hands. And someone takes a picture of me shaking hands with some communist. Tony Katz shakes hands with communist. Was I really entertaining, talking to, commiserating with the communists, or was I doing a whole series of handshakes? You could see how political tools, losers, and dangerous people could try and turn that into a thing, which is funny because uh, the left loves communists, and somehow we allow those meetings to happen all the time. I mean, people have, have lunch or dinner with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren all the time. Screw you, that's a good joke. I like that one. I'm going to keep that one. I'm keeping that one in the arsenal. This is a sit-down dinner. I have no idea how he did it or why he did it. I can't, I cannot wrap my head around it. And if you say to me, Tony, why are you concentrating on this so much? I'm going to go back to the four years Trump was president and remind you of something I said then. If I hate anything... It is the unforced error. I hate it. And Trump is great at the unforced error. Putting himself in the position he doesn't need to be in, engaging in the conversation he doesn't have to engage in, and this is the example. He didn't actually have to have dinner with Kanye West, but he chose to. And I'm not going to tell him if he believes he had a friendship with Kanye that he shouldn't. Because maybe he's going to tell his friend he was wrong. And isn't that something you're supposed to do with friends? Tell them when you disagree with them? Tell them when you think there's an issue? That makes rational sense to me, even if I think what Kanye said was gross. The Nick Fuentes thing doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It was an unforced error. And I'm kind of exhausted by the unforced errors. Oh, don't get me wrong. As a president, even with this, Trump would be better than Joe Biden any day of the week. Trump would be better than almost anybody you can, no, not almost, anybody you can mention on the political left when it comes to policy, unquestionably. But this was stupid. Unforced errors drive me nuts. So if you ask me, there's my take. And I don't apologize for it. I'm Tony Katz. Set that Adam Schiff doesn't get to keep staying on any committee. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Adam Schiff is a liar, in my view, based on what he has said and what has come true. His conversations about Russia, 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 and, Je- uh, and, and, and Trump all have not materialized. 
And yet he was allowed to be an impeachment manager, yet he's on the January 6th committee. He sits piously in judgment, lying, and never once brought to account. So it is Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, who could very well be the next Speaker of the House, who has said Schiff and Eric Swalwell and Ilhan Omar, representatives of California, California, and Minnesota, respectively, they will not have committees when Republicans take control. As a matter of fact, Schiff may be the target of an investigation, and he will get subpoenaed. Well, this has got people asking questions. Well, what are you going to do? They, the Republicans subpoena you. What are you going to do? And Schiff said this on CNN with a straight face. If you are subpoenaed by Republicans when they take over, will you comply? Um, you know, we'll have to consider the validity of the subpoena. If it's a subpoena from Congress, it's valid, right? Trump gets subpoenaed, this one, that one, oh my gosh, you can't say no to a subpoena. It's a subpoena from Congress. You have to do it. You can't say no. You can't resist. It's like the tractor beam, and it's going to suck you in. I assume that was Star Wars with the tractor beam. It's not Star Trek. Is it Star Wars? It's one of them in space, and you're getting sucked in, so you don't have an option. All of a sudden, Adam Schiff is like, well, if I if I decide that the, uh, that the subpoena is... Uh, Valid. <laughs> Can you imagine the subpoena being valid? <laughs> as pompous, as egomaniacal as ever. Will he honor the subpoena? There's no doubt in my view that he won't. He followed up with, but I would certainly view my obligation, the administration's obligation to follow the law. The fact that they've disrespected the law is not a precedent. I would hope that would be broadly followed. Well, you see, they're not good people, so therefore I don't have to do this. While I would want him to, I don't care if he does. Just get him off the committees. Neuter the dude. Swalwell, too, if Fang Fang hasn't already beat you to it. No, too soon? Too soon? Honestly, are we not okay with doing Fang Fang jokes? Don't take that away from me. It's my happy place. Meanwhile, China is an uproar. Stephen Yates is an expert on the nation, and he joins us next to break down what is happening and what could come from it. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. The protests are happening all across China. In a nation where you aren't allowed to speak out, people are doing so, engaging physically with police and other law enforcement, military forces, because they are done with lockdowns. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it's great to be with you. Lockdowns because of COVID that have kept them from seeing anyone, have kept them from leaving their house, have led to starvation because they can't go out to buy food they're not allowed to. Stories of apartment buildings catching fire and people burning to death inside because they couldn't get out because they were locked in. All because of draconian lockdowns that has people screaming, literally screaming, I wanna go see a movie. 
So what is happening? Are we getting the full story? And what is the fallout from this to the Communist Party, to President Xi Jinping, and to the Chinese people? Stephen Yates uh, joins us right now, Senior Fellow and Chair of China Policy Initiative at the America First Policy Institute and also DCI Advisory, a long history of engaging and understanding national security, working for the National Security Agents agency and served as deputy national security advisor to then vice president dick cheney from 2001 to 2005 sir it's good to have you with us engaging this conversation the lockdowns have been going on for years is this just a moment of we've had enough we can't take anymore we've actually broken and gone crazy or did something happen in a new series of lockdowns where the people said this is enough well, Tony, I think that there is some, something to the idea that something has changed in the way these lockdowns have been imposed. Uh, of course, the social compacts that the people of China have made with their government for decades supposedly had been that they would give up a certain amount of freedom in order to get out of terrible poverty and to try to get ahead in life. Uh, that's the simplest of bargains uh, that supposedly had been made, uh, never actually with the consent of the people. But in these recent times, even with the high tolerance for intrusion, surveillance and control that the Chinese public has put up with, they, I think, have met their limit. Uh, people may remember some months ago when the largest, most populous city of Shanghai was locked down for more than a month. And people were left to bang pots and pans and to sing in despair. And this dystopian government would send drones ordering them to not sing and go back inside and things like that. Uh, But now they've gone to actual pretty brutal physical beatings of people. But I think the tipping point most recently was this family of people that were burned to death, captured on video because they were locked in due to COVID zero policy. Uh, and that just seemed to spread like uh, like wildfire across their social media. And these protests in the street are uh, unlike anything I've seen since 1988, 1989, when, the, when most people would think of the Tiananmen Square demonstrations, but they actually took place in many cities in China, we just didn't see them. Uh, so these images are remarkable. I think that the spark really this time was just this horrific image of people being burned to death. That's a horrific image. But we've had these people starving, and you remind us all of, of the drones that were telling people, uh, you know, control your urge to be free, I believe is what yes. the the drones were saying here. There's always a conversation. We see this in Iran where there are continued uprisings. Of course, uh, it was the morality police beating a woman to death for wearing her her burqa inappropriately, right? It it wasn't perfectly uh, aligned. She was wearing it, wasn't wearing it properly, and was beaten into a coma and then died. We're seeing uh, the Iranian national team not sing the national anthem as the World Cup happens. We're seeing other moments where the people may be rising up, but we saw this before. 
for in the green movement. We saw Hong Kongers rising up, wanting their freedom. You were, we were told we would be a different system than the rest of China, and you, Xi Jinping, lied and are going back on the word that you gave the British when Hong Kong was returned to Chinese control, and yet Hong Kongers who were engaged in this protest were squashed. Why would I believe that this time is different? Well, I don't know that you should believe this time is different. Of course, we're not blessed to know when you meet one of those historic tipping points, uh, like the end of the Iron Curtain in Europe presented in the end of the 1980s, early parts of the 1990s. Uh, But uh, there are several things that are different with today's China. I fully expect Xi Jinping to unleash uh, fury on all of the people involved in these demonstrations. Uh, The one thing they may have learned over the years is to how to be a little bit more delicate and be less well seen by the international community in doing what they do. So these, but but we do agree that the world scene is going to keep their eyes on them. So when you talk about unleashing fury. Uh, it, this is more than just disappearing Jack Ma of Alibaba or some tennis star for claiming that uh, she was sexually assaulted. What do, What is it, in your view, based on your history uh, or your study of, of their history, what is it that you believe that Xi Jinping might do? Well, I, I expect that all the tools are in his toolkit that would have people from their state security Uh, and other elements of the government that go to visit people, force them back into their domiciles or force them into camps for re-education or for their health, in air quotes. Uh, And uh, so I I expect there to be pretty significant pushback. They may look at uh, unemploying some of these people uh, who may have been blessed with some of the jobs that were profitable in international manufacturing and trade. Uh, but I, ex- I fully expect there to be retribution. Now, the main issue that I have in watching this time, I think the Chinese people themselves are fed up. They may have hit a moment of awakening. Uh, you just, you know, once provoked in Chinese history doesn't dial back. Uh, they don't have an organized alternative. They just know that they hate the Communist Party and they hate what it's doing under its current leadership right now. Uh, and the, the difference is after Tiananmen Square and the massacre in 1989, the international community found its moral compass for about two to three years and then wanted desperately to go back to the way things were. Uh, if that happens again, it would be the third time that the United States alone leads the way in breathing life back into this evil Communist Party regime. Uh, And I fear that that is the normal that people will try to go back to as soon as they can get past the unfortunate ugliness of this disturbance, as they would refer to it. Uh, So I, I would like to believe the world is better than that. I would like to believe we would stand by the Chinese people being their own masters. But I don't even think we've had a statement from the White House or the State Department expressing solidarity with these people. I mean, it took them less than 30 seconds to stand with the Ukrainian people. I don't know why it's taken a weekend to step forward and say something on behalf of the Chinese people. Oh, some will assume it's the tryptophan and Turkey makes people a little groggy. Talking to Stephen <laughs> Yates, you can find out more about him at AmericaFirstPolicy.com, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative. 
Before we get into a conversation about Biden and, and President Biden and the lack of statement from this White House, from this State Department, let's get into the Chinese people uh, them, themselves, because I mm-hmm. have taken a bit of a um, just maybe a cautionary uh, uh, track here. And, and I stated that I want the Chinese people to be free, but I do not have anything that shows me in the mainland China, right, not Hong Kong, mainland China that there is this desire to throw away communism because as you brought up, the communism has helped people in their world move out of poverty even though you will now engage the new poverty of whatever it is the Chinese government decides you get whatever your quota is, etc. You certainly won't be able to move about as you want in any kind of free way. You certainly won't be able to get things you want in a free way. You certainly won't be engaged travel as we just discussed. But I have not seen where there is a serious movement afoot to engage not having communism. And you discussed that these people don't like communism. They don't like Xi Jinping. So walk me through it. Is there a movement amongst the Chinese people to say, we don't want this dictator for life. We don't want this president for life. We want to be able to have elections. We want a freer uh, country. We want to be freer people. And we're now, we're now, because of these lockdowns, willing to fight for it. Yeah, there are disaggregated movements within China. You're absolutely correct that there isn't uh, anywhere near sufficient evidence that there is an organized, uh, viable alternative leadership. If you tried to go back to before the People's Republic of China was established, you had the Communist Party and the Nationalist Party wrestling with each other, at war with each other for a period, struggling for mastery of the of what was then considered the boundaries of the country. Uh, there's nothing similar to that right now. And when you look past into older dynasties, when one would lose the mandate of heaven would because of corruption or natural disaster, etc., there would be warring kingdoms under the broader umbrella where there would be a tug of war. Some say that there are factions within the Communist Party that could vie uh, in for power in a similar way, but there's just nothing like the historical model of, of changing what the form of government is. But uh, when we look at what happened with Eastern Europe at the end of the Cold War, it is still possible that there could be one of these quick changes. We just have no evidence of there being that critical mass. The Chinese people know that they outnumber the Communist Party, but they also know that they're unarmed. Uh, And the only power they have is their willingness to organize and risk ultimate sacrifice. And at some level, the humanity of the Chinese people will push the communists aside. That's all they've got going. And they, at this point, have no reason to believe the international community will stand with them and even help get their message out. Uh, There's no no communication to go in. I want to get back to that in a second. But the idea that... The only that eventually they can push the the communist regime aside at the cost of a couple of million people. I mean, that's what that's what's going to happen. Xi Jinping is not going to walk away when he sees himself as dictator for life. He's chastising uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He still wants 2025. He still uh, believes that the Belt and Road Initiative is going to make China the dominant force. He's still going deep blue in in, in military uh, world and in, in engaging in aircraft carriers and, and other technology. If the people revolt, 
he's going to kill millions. We're, we're not wrong about that, are we? Unfortunately, I think you're correct. Uh, but if you look at the history of, the, of, of China over the last 150 years, there have been multiple instances of millions of people being killed. Uh, uh, sadly, one of the few parts of the planet where that has been relatively commonplace. Uh, if you if you just look at that span of of history and development, they've had it through famines, they've had it through radical cultural revolutions, they've had it through civil war. Then uh, we don't even have an accurate count on how many Chinese people have been killed by the virus that they unleashed on the world. Uh, so I mean, the, unfortunately, the Chinese people have suffered a great deal, especially under the Communist Party. And to come out from under the Communist Party, they likely would suffer and sacrifice yet again quite substantially. Uh, but that's why uh, it's just thinking from an American point of view first. Uh, I, I, while I, I yearn for the day on behalf of the good Chinese people that they can be their own master and we can maybe have a more normal relationship with such a consequential country, we can't uh, with the Communist Party. Uh, and if the Communist Party were to unleash fury on these people the way they did after the Tiananmen massacre in 1989, I think we would have to go back to the policies that immediately followed it, but this time not resuscitate the Communist Party. Unfortunately, that would mean the Chinese people would suffer more, but the world does not need to peacefully coexist with this evil regime. Talking to Stephen Yates, Senior Fellow and Chair of the China Policy Initiative at America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Before I let you go, while I still have a couple of minutes, and I appreciate uh, you moving all these directions with me in this conversation, you brought up President Biden and the administration saying absolutely nothing. This isn't the first time this happened when the Green Revolution was taking place. It was then President Obama who said absolutely nothing. And just a few months ago, he admitted that that was a mistake in not saying anything about the uprisings that were taking place. If Biden were to say something, and I'm not saying that he will, what would you advise him to say and what, sh- and what are the actual moves of the State Department, of American policy regarding China to try and do away with Xi Jinping? Well, I think the first step is, frankly, what should be the easiest step, but it is harder for some of our leaders than most of us ordinary Americans can understand. It's to tell the truth and the harsh truth is that this is an illegitimate leadership in China that is a brutal enemy of the well-being of the Chinese people. Start poking that balloon that is the hyperinflated ego of Xi Jinping, the Communist Party, and the establishment mantra that that's, that they will always be the leader of China. They aren't always going to be leader of China. They haven't always been leader of China. They have economic problems. They have political problems. But most importantly, they don't respect their own people. And if they won't respect their own people, how can we deal with them? I fear, though, that this administration is so seized with the pagan religion of climate that they put that above all else. And they have this hypothesis that the world is going to destroy itself unless we have some kind of cooperation that China, under the Communist Party, is never going to give them. 
but they want to keep open that dialogue to save the planet and to reorient our society and national security around that priority. That, I think, is the stumbling block. Otherwise, it would have been very easy for the president to be clear and strong and highlight what's good about America and the free world and where China is falling behind on behalf of its own people. Stephen Yates, Senior Fellow and Chair of the China Policy Initiative at the America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com and DCI Advisory. Uh, Sir, always appreciate you being with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Yeah, I I ran it late. It's going to happen sometimes. Meanwhile, I'm watching the markets because of what's going on in China. The Dow is down 350 right now. NASDAQ down 111. Anything that makes people question China, I'm in favor of. Man, I really do hope those people can get themselves the freedom. They got to be the ones who make this start. I'm Tony Katz.